As the deadline for the end of JobKeeper rapidly approaches, the travel sector has been urged to ramp up its lobbying efforts, and Travel Daily has been right in the thick of it all. This week, we've also seen some Hello World controversy, how unusual, also some results announcements, and a bit of cruise industry optimism. Well, for 2023 at least. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is News on the Fly. There is a chorus of industry voices in Canberra this week calling for ongoing industry support once JobKeeper ends next month. AFTRA and Cato have both undertaken high-level meetings, and Cato chairman Dennis Bunnick reported back to the industry via a Travel Community Hub webinar earlier this week. What did he say, Bruce? Yeah, look, clearly the government is listening, but the key message from right across everyone who's sort of working on this across the industry is that the next couple of weeks are absolutely crucial because Parliament is actually sitting Dennis and his cohort had organised a meeting with Tourism Minister Dan Tehan. Um, also, there was Cato MD Brett Jardine and also one of the Cato members, Brad McDonald, from Entire Travel Connection. Uh, they all drove down from Sydney, which must have been a jolly fun road trip. Anyway, by all accounts, uh, they had an extremely positive reception and Dan Tehan definitely recognised what they were saying. You know, they obviously argued their case well, so much so that during their meeting with the tourism minister, he said, look, you've got to talk to the treasurer about this. And you would have thought that might have been just fobbing them off. But actually, Tehan then organised a meeting the same day with Josh Frydenberg. So that would have definitely been a key interaction, and particularly coming just a day after Frydenberg had a big opinion piece published in The Australian, basically about how much the economy had recovered and how we don't need JobKeeper anymore. And so what did Dennis say Cato was pushing for in terms of support? Yeah, look, the, the top priority that they talked about is an extension of JobKeeper, you know, JobKeeper 4.0 or whatever you want to call it, probably under a different name. Let's hope it's not too little too late because, of course, it is coming right down to the wire, particularly if uh, employers are looking at a post-end of March situation where they get no support left. They'll already be giving making people redundant right now. But anyway, JobKeeper definitely has been a lifesaver in terms of keeping at least some people employed. It's only an ask, and the explicit details weren't available from Cato, and it's all subject to modelling by the Treasury mandarins in Canberra. But Cato and a number of other organisations are pushing for a return to the original level of JobKeeper, so that was $750 a week, for companies who are still, say, 70% down on their pre-COVID turnover. As you'll recall, the initial bar for JobKeeper was just a 30% downturn. And of course, in travel and tourism, we know that it's much bigger than that. They're pushing for a six-month extension or at least until international borders open. And importantly, that would be something right across all industries, not just travel agents or tour operators. So all sorts of ancillary businesses in our industry, which we all know so well, tech companies, destination representatives, and you know even, may I say, travel media, would qualify if they're still way down. So that would be great. But more than that, Cato's also highlighted the massive impact of the industry of ongoing border uncertainty. You know, all those promises last year of a travel bubble and so, um, you know, maybe with New Zealand and so the tour operators would quickly put together a program for New Zealand and then it's going to be Japan or South Korea or Taiwan. Just no certainty and none of these bubbles have actually, you know, eventuated. And that is aside from the ones who've pivoted to domestic. And then we've had these nutty state premiers with their capricious decisions um, you know, like this week, the ridiculous entire state lockdown of Victoria, you know, even in WA, they only locked down Perth when they had, when someone sneezed. The whole state of Victoria closed, you know, absolutely crazy. And I got caught up in all that too. Um, look, Kate is also urging some sort of grant scheme to help businesses with expenses because, of course, JobKeeper is only money 
in and out into the business, but straight out to employees. It doesn't help to pay the rent or other expenses at all. And finally, they've suggested a loans program, which would be backed by the government. So you don't have to mortgage your house or give a personal guarantee, but it would support those who are brave enough to seek capital to, to ride out this situation. Obviously, we need that sort of thing because given all the messaging about how the industry is struggling, no one could get a bank loan at the moment, even if they tried. And did you get the impression that they got a good hearing? Should we start getting our hopes up? Look, Dennis was very keen not to build unrealistic expectations. I think that they got a good hearing, but I think the politicians are giving lots of people a good hearing and they are very good at saying, you know, what you want to hear. I think the fact that it escalated to Frydenberg is definitely a good thing. But again, we all need to keep pushing forward, particularly at the moment while Parliament is sitting. Hello World was once again in the news this week in not such a great way, with revelations that it actually owned 100% of a joint venture, which it had previously heavily promoted as being a majority Indigenous business. What was the story there, Bruce? Yeah, this was a fascinating one. Um, We were kind of tipped off to it by CT Partners inadvertently, who sent us an update about a new addition to the group called In Travel. And uh, In Travel is uh, owned by an Indigenous man called Dwayne Good. And that just sparked my memory that he'd also done a partnership with Hello World a few years ago with Hello World's QBT to sort of form a indigenous, majority indigenous owned, but, you know, large market TMC business called Inspire Travel Management. Dwayne owed 60% and 40% was owned by Hello World. And I presume that gave them some advantages when bidding for TMC contracts, uh, given, you know, procurement policies, which um, want to favour indigenous businesses. And in fact, they did pick up some nice juicy ones, including Australia Post. Anyway, this CT Partners uh, update said in travel, Dwayne's smaller personal TMC business had joined them. And I thought that was weird, given the Hello World tie-up. Surely he wouldn't switch groups. Anyway, lo and behold, as I did it, we found out that he had sold out last year. But there's been no update to the Inspire Travel website. He'd sold his shares to Hello World. He'd resigned as a director. But Inspire Travel was still loudly and proudly claiming to be Indigenous. So did you reach out to Hello World to find out what the story was? I guess, is it possible with all the COVID stuff going on that it could have just been an oversight? Look, I'd love to give them the benefit of the doubt. um, And I certainly gave them the opportunity. I reached out on multiple occasions, not just to Andrew Burns, the CEO, to their communications person, who's basically Andrew's um, EA, but also to David Hall, the CFO, and Nick Sutherland, who's head of QBT. And they're both now the directors, the sole directors of Inspire Travel Management since Dwayne sold out. But I've had absolutely nothing from anyone. Some have suggested that it's a clear case of a term that I wasn't familiar with before called black cladding bit like greenwashing, um, but in the Indigenous space where non-Indigenous businesses claim to be majority owned um, so they can get some sort of commercial advantage. Um, anyway, I really wish I had had a response, but the only thing that happened was that after our story ran, they quickly changed the website on the Inspire Travel Management to remove all those references to being Australia's only majority Indigenous owned large market TMC. They'd also been listed on an Indigenous procurement website called Supply Nation as being Indigenous owned, and that's all gone now too. Hmm. Well, whatever transpired, it's certainly not a good look. Well, it's another year and Travel and Cruise Weekly's Keep Dreaming Weekly e-magazine has even more travel inspiration for your clients. With destination features, new travel and cruise products and consumer-facing news, Keep Dreaming is the perfect way to fan the travel flame. Check it out at travelandcruiseweekly.com.au. 
And to have your brand featured, give us a call on 1300 799 220. Princess Cruises has been in the news a lot over the last year, and not always for a good reason. So this week's announcement of their 2022-2023 Australasian cruise season was launched with a good deal of trepidation, with the company not wanting to provoke a negative reaction. But the release is definitely great news for the industry. What did they announce, Bruce? Yeah, look, given the controversies of the early stages of the pandemic and the way mainstream media attacked cruising, I guess it's understandable that they don't want to poke the bear. But as you said, it's a good news story for the for the industry, so they are walking a fine line. Um, basically, Princess is looking well ahead, hoping to tap into all that pent-up demand that we know is there by announcing their 22-23 deployments in Australian waters. And it's pretty big. There's four ships that they're going to have here, and they also announced details of a 2023 world cruise out of Australia. And so which ships are coming here and how many cruises will be on offer? Look, it's very large deployment. You have four ships here, 134 departures, and they say it's the biggest ever local launch for the brand. All the ships will have this ocean medallion technology that they tout as, you know, it, it's sort of you carry this medallion and it opens your door and you can use it to order drinks and um, make purchases, all sorts of things. I think it probably also does have applications in terms of tracking for COVID contact tracing. The ships that are here will be Grand Princess sailing out of Melbourne, Coral Princess out of Brisbane, and Sydney is going to have Royal Princess and Majestic Princess, which are both these quite large Royal class sister ships. It is a bold move and it really shows a massive amount of confidence in the recovery of cruise in the Australian market. And what about this world cruise? World cruises seem to be just selling like hotcakes at the moment. Yeah, they sure do. Um, Oceania had a well-publicised success recently with a 180-day itinerary in 2023, which sold out in just a day. And Princess itself also had huge success with its 2022 world cruise sales back in October. Uh, the 2023 program that they've announced this week will see Coral Princess cruise around the world out of Sydney, uh, visiting 26 countries, I think, over 107 nights. There's also a bunch of other you know, reasonably long itineraries, cruises to Hawaii, Tahiti, and also one of those ever-popular Australian circumnavigations. And so I'm sure that they will sell very well. Mm-hmm. And so can the cruises be booked now? Uh, look, they're on sale from the start of March, so just a couple of weeks away. Time to reach out to those customer databases and get them primed to take bookings from, I think it's the 2nd of March for past passengers and the 3rd of March for the general public. Excellent. Well, something to look forward to. And wrapping it up for this week, we've started to see some of the results from publicly listed travel companies coming through. What have been some of the highlights? Yes, look, so far we've had Webjet and corporate travel management. And, you know, it's a good opportunity where you sort of get to see behind the scenes of how the wider industry is being impacted by COVID. Both of them, of course, are heavily impacted, but both quite upbeat on the prospects. Definitely, I think for both companies, things haven't been as bad as they expected. They've definitely got a long, long runway during which they can ride out this pandemic. And they're pretty optimistic about border openings and the vaccine. Corporate travel management particularly, look, they're both global businesses, but corporate travel management said as the vaccines roll out, particularly in the USA and Europe, they really expect to see some increased corporate activity and that will really feed through to the bottom line. So yeah, quite bullish. Hmm, That is good news. And I presume we will have more results to report next week? Yeah, we should do. Look, it's not actually clear when Hello World and Flight Centre will report, but it should be in the next couple of weeks. All of the listed companies have to have their interim results out by the end of the month. 
And speaking of the next couple of weeks, Bruce, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned the urgency of the industry making a last ditch push for the government to recognize that we haven't yet recovered. Uh, do you want to just remind the listeners what they can do to help? Oh, yeah, good idea. Um, AFTA has launched a survey. Um, I think they're calling it Travel Sector Keeper. Just a quick survey monkey. And everyone who owns or manages a travel industry business should be completing that. Those uh, WA Wonder Women, Joe Francis and Christine Ross Davies, have put a very helpful guide uh, on the Travel Industry Lobby Group Facebook page. And we've also published that earlier this week. Uh, with some guidelines in Travel Daily. It was in Wednesday's issue, if anyone missed it. That's got a link to a sort of suggested letter template, but but it's got to be adapted because, as Dennis from Cato stressed, it's all about personal stories. The politicians are well used to lobbying campaigns and petitions and form letters, but what really hits home is personal tales um, of how you know, individual businesses and individual people in the industry have been affected and what's likely to happen if support for the industry is withdrawn. Look, it's not hard. All your email addresses are on the Parliament House website, which is aph.gov.au. You can look up your, who your local member is by postcode. They do get back to you. Um, I, I've sent a few and I'll be sending some more this week. With Parliament currently sitting, right now is the time to do it. And as all of these industry leaders of ours have been saying, don't complain about the outcome if you're not ready to get involved. How many emails do we all send every day? It's just a couple more. Just do it. Just do it indeed. Well, that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. Thanks for joining us. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe and tell your friends. We so appreciate all the support you have given us. We will be back next week with more news on the fly.